I want people to shoot for the bullseye of the best possible outcome, right? What is the best possible outcome? Hey, my business gets acquired for $50 million, right? Not, well, I think it's realistic for us to get acquired for 30. So that's what I'm going to shoot for. No, shoot for 50. If you end at 42, you'll be so glad that you shot for 50 instead of 30, right? Same thing with like salary negotiations, even like meeting a partner or like finding your dream apartment, right? All of those things, like why not go for the best possible thing? Not saying you'll 100% get it, but if you don't go for it, you 100% won't get it. Like that's just reality. Welcome to the Active Ingredient Podcast, your destination for all things personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am an intentional brand builder on a mission to inspire people to build not only their dream businesses that are fully in alignment and that actually feel good for them to be in, but more importantly, to create well-rounded lives that are in alignment with their values. I believe that we can only grow outward in proportion to how aligned we are internally, and that slowly but surely, we are all capable of creating lives that feel incredibly fulfilling to be fully present in. I'm so excited to share that this week's episode is brought to you by my own brand that I started with my sister called Piano Piano, which means slowly, slowly in Italian. And it is an intentional tableware line on a mission to encourage us all to slow down, to come alive. And we are sharing that via our vibrant tableware. So we just restocked on all of our coffee items, which sold out a big part in due to influencers that posted and sold this out, which I will probably do a whole episode on brand building and what works and what doesn't, but that's an aside. But we were sold out for a very long time and we just got this order from Italy And I am just so excited to be doing this collab with Active Ingredient. We normally don't do discounts, but for the month of October, for the rest of this month, we're offering all Active Ingredient listeners 15% off of your total order when you go to pianopianohome.com. And, you know, the holidays are around the corner. There are so many things that are happening in life. It's such a great gift. And also just for ourselves, you know, our whole mission is to slow down, to be present in our day-to-days. I'm currently sitting next to my cappuccino cup in Lila, which brings me so much joy. I missed it so much. I can't even tell you. And it's also about gifting yourself that moment to come back to yourself, to slow down, to take a breath and also makes for a beautiful gift. So if you want to check it out and support your girls, you can go to pianopianohome.com, use code ACTIVE, A-C-T-I-V-E at checkout for 15% off your order. And thank you so much. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. We have an amazing interview for you this week. I'm very excited for you to get into the episode. And I just wanted to also call out that that last solo episode was truly something that I think resonated with so many people. And the amount of feedback that I got from it on people feeling that same way, feeling stagnation, feeling maybe just a little bit stuck or not really knowing what that next phase is and in a transition period. 
Um, I think that there's definitely something going on collectively, but even if there's not, just the just the sheer amount of people that reached out and that said that that resonated with them at this moment in time so much speaks volumes. And um, I just wanted to say like, it really is putting one foot in front of the other. Like again, like that episode was released and still days after that, I was like still really struggling to put a foot in front of the other and still continue to do as best I could two out of 10, three out of 10, whatever it is that I had to give. And I'm still absolutely nowhere near my full 10 out of 10, but it's slowly... I'm starting to see more and more glimmers of just like feeling like my whole self. And just if you're listening and that resonates with you, it's really just about keeping that one foot in front of the other and doing every single thing in our power to nourish ourselves, to give ourselves what we need and to show up in the way that is necessary for that day. And you're not alone. I'm literally right there with you. And this is part of the process. It's part of it. It is what it is. And it's honestly like the way that I've reframed it in my mind. I'm like, I'm not struggling. I am transforming. And that there is pain that comes with that. And that's okay. Like we can tolerate it. We can do it. And in the in the tolerating, what can we do to support ourselves is the way that I'm viewing that. So thank you so much for listening. If that episode resonated with you and you haven't had a chance to, I would really, really appreciate you giving the show five stars wherever you listen. It really helps the show grow. I've said that a million times, but it actually really does. It's how the podcast algorithms work. It's how the show will get presented to people who would find this information valuable. So I would really appreciate that. And yeah, so again, thank you. And I do think that this week's episode is a fabulous one to piggyback off of that last solo. And it is with someone who I've actually been in the same industry, career adjacent, pretty much our whole careers. Um, Her name is Amanda Baudier. She is an incredible, mindful and intentional executive coach who has worked in so many different industries. And she actually started out in hospitality, similar to me, and moved into wellness. She transitioned her skills from what she was doing in hospitality and applied them to a wellness business. And I'm going to say all the businesses' names because we all know them. She started working at Tao Group and then moved on to work at Sakara Life, then went on to work at Melissa Wood Health and has now launched her own executive coaching program, called Full Plate, Full Cup. And she has a co-founder. And I think this is a really, really cool thing about what they're offering is that they're they're a duo that Amanda, who's our guest of the show this week, she focuses on working with founders and executive level individuals. And her co-founder focuses on working with employees and people who are working for like someone else, for a corporation, for a job, whatever. And I think that that's such a cool distinction because those two definitely have different ways of needing support and there's different needs just for those two different types of individuals. So this conversation is with Amanda who focuses on founders, executive level type people. But really this conversation just spans so much more than that. Like, yes, we do talk about 
executive coaching for founders and executive type people, but it really is more a human conversation on how to continue to grow into these visions that we have for ourselves. Even if we don't have the vision yet, but we know that there's something that we want that's out there that we don't yet or are not yet at, how to continue to follow those breadcrumbs. And she obviously shares her whole story where she came from, which I think is really refreshing. And there's just so much in here. This episode, I would say, is like very, very active ingredient-y. And I hope that it is something that resonates with you. And with that, Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm going to just dive in here. I typically like ask the guests more of their background, but we're going to get there. We're going to just go a different journey. But for someone who's listening, who's also multifaceted or multi-interested, how do you coach someone with that? Because sometimes I'm like, is this distraction or is this just your true essence and how to actually have that be at play in your favor? Yeah. Well, there's, there's a few ways that I would approach that. The first is when you're thinking about what am I actually going to do with my time? I'm a big believer in putting together an actual timeline where everything is put into a particular place, right? Like for me, right? I'm in the process of moving. I have kids, the start of the school year. There is no space for me to add something in now, but sometimes it feels a little heartbreaking when there's something you want to do and you're not doing it. So by saying, Hey, Like I'm leading a retreat in February, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have the time to figure out to do it until then, but I'm also not completely ignoring the fact that that's something I want to do, right? I'm putting it in my calendar in a place where it's long enough away that I can plan the rest of my life around it and not feel like, oh, like I'm totally putting off this thing I love because there's so many other priorities. It's like, no, I'm doing it. I'm just not doing it for six months. And like, that has to be okay because you can't do everything at once. And that's like the time standpoint. But from a like a curiosity and exploring standpoint, I I actually just said this to a client yesterday was that if there's something that you love that serves no purpose, no purpose in your life, like for him, it's playing saxophone, make sure that you schedule a block of time to do that in whatever feels... Um, like reasonable for you. Maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once every other week, right? For an hour. But the things that like don't serve a purpose, right? They don't make you money. It's not gonna like look good on social media, right? Like it doesn't have any other value, but like you love it. Just make sure you don't let it completely go away. You could do it once a month, right? But like, don't let it completely fade away Mm -hmm. so that if it starts to become more, like if you find that you're just like waiting all week for your hour of saxophone, for months on end, it's like, okay, this needs more space in your life than one hour every other week. But sometimes you like get a little bug up your butt to do something and you're like, oh no, I'm kind of over that thing. Right. And then you hope you didn't make it your career or like, you know, a a huge chunk of your life. That's so true. Because even with the yoga example, it was like, I started with one a week. That wasn't enough. Then I went to, I I just went all the way to five for four or five a week. And then I was completely drained and I couldn't show up in all the other places. And now I'm not teaching at all. So it's like, it's been this kind of like roller coaster of, of just 
testing out what works for me, what doesn't. Like teaching yeah. zero doesn't do it for me. But I love that example of like, just get curious about yeah. what, how much do you need for it to fill your cup? Yeah. But to the question of being multi-interested and especially like at this day and age when every single day we're seeing like a new TikTok with someone that's like showing you a different way to do your business or yeah. just a different interest of how to go about your life. Like, how do you coach people on deciphering what is distraction from what you actually want to be doing and what is worth actually putting your your curious hat on and exploring? So it really depends like what the what the state of your life is, right? Mm-hmm. Like for somebody who already feels like they're at capacity, it's probably a distraction, right? If, but if what you, if they're at capacity with things that they're like, this is no longer it? Ah, uh, okay. So if you're feeling like you're at capacity and the things that you are doing are not necessarily lighting you up, they're no longer fulfilling you, et cetera, et cetera you want to start to shave away. Like I'm a big believer in like micro changes. Like how can you free up 10% of your time from doing stuff that you don't love and then replace it, that small 10% with the thing you do love and slowly but surely sort of shift the balance, right? Like that 10% becomes 20%, becomes 30%, becomes 40%. And that might take years, right? I mean, for me, going from working for other people to having my own business was a very slow transition because I have kids. I'm, yeah, I don't want to say I'm older. I'm going to be 40 in January, but like I have kids, I have a mortgage, right? I don't have a lot of free time. I don't have a lot of financial flexibility and I got other people counting on me, right? So for me, that transition was years and years and years of training, then dipping my toe, then a little bit of it. And then finally, you know, ripping the bandaid off and going full time. But There's also this kind of habit that people will have with these like distractions, right? These shiny things where they are never digging a deep enough hole, right? They're digging a million shallow holes. And so my advice is if if you want to literally just dip a toe in like a once every other week, kind of like, oh, let me see, let me like test this. You can do that, right? To just like sense it out. But if you are going to try something, right? Like if you're like, I think I want to do a podcast or I think I want to launch an Instagram feed about this, or I want to start a Substack, right? In the tech world, there's something called a minimum viable product. So it's a, it's a, it's a beta version of something, but it's, it's enough to actually gather, gather data, right? So if you want to do, if you're like, I'm going to launch a Substack, you need to commit to what a proper beta test is. It's not two things and then you forget about it, right? It might be 12 articles over 12 weeks and you block it in your calendar and you make kind of a um, a proper test for yourself, right? I wanna see if writing and putting my content out there is actually something that does fulfill me, that I enjoy, that I can handle, right? And so I'm gonna give it that proper test. I'm gonna set... KPIs, like as lame as that sounds, it's like, do I care how many people are reading it? Do I care how much time it's taking me? What what do I care about? What am I actually testing for? Right? Do I need to know that uh, you know, I I was able to monetize in that amount of time, right? When people went to my Substack, were they like, yeah, I'll pay 150 bucks a year for you, right? Like getting clear on what that is. Because if you spend that three months or whatever it is testing something and it ends up not being amazing or whatever, and you decide you don't want to continue, guess what? You just learned something amazing. You learned something you don't want to do. 
but you've also given it enough of a try that it's not like, I mean, I think all of us have those things that we like dabbled in and they're like, oh my God, remember when I did that for like three minutes? Uh, You didn't go deep enough, right? You dug a shallow hole. You kind of need to dig a medium hole in order to make a decision on whether it's actually something you should do or if it's like, oh, I thought that was a good idea, but it's actually not. So for medium holes, or just like to actually, this is where I feel like a lot of people, including myself, get stuck is the how long to give it. Because we can have these KPIs, but like a lot of times, for example, growing a podcast, for example, launching a business, like you hear, and I've interviewed so many successful people that it took them 10 years. So in this world of immediate gratification and like, like let's say now setting this this takeaway of you know yeah. three months six months whatever like what would you say is like an actual reasonable time to give something to know yeah. because it's like a lot of these people that are extremely successful are like it took them ten so yeah. yeah what's your answer to that yeah I mean so the minimum for sure is three months that's always my answer nothing n- nothing at all can be discovered in less than three months but when we're talking about three months to prove concept. We're not talking about it's paying my bills. We're not talking about it's, you know, it's it's guaranteeing me su- success, right? It, that That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, this is something that I want to invest another three months in, right? And you might think about it in like three months chunks mm-hmm. of like three months to sort of establish, yes, this is worth investing in. The next six months might be like the double down period where you're like, okay, I ha- I'm going to give myself another six months to hit this milestone. And if I do, I'll keep going, right? But there's kind of, uh, there's so many things that come into play, but there's kind of two main things that come into play. One is how passionate am I about this? How much does it light me up? And how much does it feel aligned to what my purpose is on this planet? If it is really deeply aligned to that, it is worth more time, right? If you're like, oh, I had this idea to launch like a caffeinated gum brand, like, You might give it like six months to see if you get investors, to see if whatever there's traction in the market, but you you throw it out because that's probably not like what your heart's desire is. But something that is really like coming from your soul, it is tied to your purpose, right? You're going to want to invest in that longer, but then you need to decide, okay, am I making this also, number two, my primary source of income and compensation? And those are often totally different things. Like when you can bring them together, obviously it's magic, but I like, I coach primarily people who have already jumped off the cliff and are the founders of companies, CEOs of companies, et cetera. But when I work with somebody who is um, just like, Hey, I have a full-time job here. I make X. I really want to start this. I am such a big believer of keeping that salary or going on to a consulting contract where all of your bills and then some are covered for at least a year. Because as you mentioned, to get really successful, yeah, it takes a long time, right? It, it Almost nobody is like, I launched my startup and then tomorrow, you know, no, like right. people aren't like hitting the ground running at like huge run rates. Or at least of, like the know. businesses that are successful and have had longevity and are like legacy brands. Yeah. That's the yeah. take. Absolutely. And the thing is, is, You've probably heard people say something along the lines of like, um, you're, you know, your dream is like a, a baby, right? It's like an infant or a toddler. Like you're not going to immediately be like, all right, baby, get to work. Like you got to make me six figures, seven figures, right? Like, no, you give it time to mature and grow before it takes on that level of responsibility. 
So that I'm so happy that you brought the baby example up because as someone who has my hands in several different things, I stress out about that saying because I'm like, okay, well, a baby needs full attention from its mom. It needs to be nurtured. It needs daily attention. And so when you have multiple things going on, I'm like, is this baby, quote unquote, my business going to be... I don't know. Is it going to have issues down the road? Is it not going to be set up for success? Is it not going to have the foundation it needs because it wasn't nurtured properly in its infancy? Like, (laughs) what? Like, what is your take on that? Because if we are in this bridge period, like you were yourself, like in those bridges, like what does that mean for the outcome of the of that ideal business? Yeah. Well, there's there's a couple things that I will say. Um, Thank God businesses are not actual children because you're absolutely right. However, like I got two kids, right? I have two kids and I have a business. It it is possible to have your uh, hand in multiple things and and nurture them sufficiently, make sure that their needs are. And, you know, the other thing I would say is like, one of the things that they teach you with parenting is like when you're with your kid, you want to give them amazing, a hundred percent attention, but it's okay if they go to daycare. It's okay if they have a nanny, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that you have to be like with them 24 seven, but you do have to give them a lot of quality time and attention. And just to touch a little bit about like my trajectory, right. I, um, I have many, many certifications that have been honed over, uh, got my first yoga teacher training, uh, certification in 2011. So, you know, many years of, of kind of getting certified in different things that would allow me to work with individuals and groups. Um, I got my executive coaching certification in 2019 and, um, I, by, by what, um, program. I went to NYU actually oh, because wow. I um I knew the types of people that I would want to work with if I ever did decide to do it full time and they are people who want that you know they're they're not um the the people on Instagram who are looking for you know the no offense wide brim hat life coach yeah. people but I needed that like academic rigor so I went back mm-hmm. to NYU it was a three semester program really really thorough definitely more of that like executive coaching because I had all the wellness stuff to sort of complement it. Yeah. And I started coaching literally like one person at a time because I had a full-time job and I had kids and that was all I could fit in while I was working. But what 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 kind of um, tipped the shark for me in ter- terms of like deciding to be like, okay, I'm going to do this full-time. So yeah, someone that I had coached uh, yeah. came to me and was like, you have to work with my co-founder. Like, He's experiencing so much stress, so much overwhelm, like his health is suffering. He really needs to work with you. There's like no one else that I trust to recommend to him as a coach. And I was working as the GM at Melissa Wood Health at the time. I was working way too much. I didn't have time. I didn't necessarily like need the incremental money. And, but I was like, oh gosh, this is exactly what I want to do when I eventually, you know, coach people. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it but it has to be every other Saturday at this time. And it's going to cost you this much. And they were like, no problem done paid in full for a three month engagement, like right out of the gate. And I was like, okay, wow. Like that was, you know, encouraging. And then in working with him, the the work itself was so rewarding, right? When you talk about like, is this your passion? Is this what you were kind of like designed and meant to do? It felt so much more what I was designed and meant to do than running a, running an actual business, right? Like I was helping people run their businesses through a lens of wellness and mindfulness and presence and sort of taking everything I knew, but instead of having to do it myself, right? Like coaching other people to do it. 
What is your and human design? I am a generator. Interesting. I would have yeah. sworn projector. Yeah, no, I'm a generator, which, yeah. I mean, I, I am a, I am very much, uh, I do. I When I'm doing something that I'm in love with, I have so much energy. And if I do anything that is not at all in line with my passions, yeah. I'm immediately drained. Like I cannot do it. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Um, I'm very shocked, but that's yeah. very, very cool. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for my human design lovers. Like no, I am no, no, a no. human design obsessed person. Yeah. So I need yeah. to know these things. Yeah. But so, you know, when I got to the point with my job where I was like, I'm working so much, I'm so stressed. I did the calculations of like, okay, if I could get this number of clients and charge them what I charged him, I would make the same amount and I'd be working so much less. And I, you know, I, I have a husband at that point, we had already like bought our home, like things were in a, in a financially safe. Now I am somebody who's a little bit psychotic about resources and security. And so it was still terrifying for me, but I looked at the data. I sort of weighed like where I was, what was in savings, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I've been waiting so many years to actually do this. It's time. Um, and I didn't really give myself a timeline for like, well, if it doesn't work, I can always go back. Like there was, there was no calculations like that. It was sort of like, all right, if I'm ever going to try it, now's the time. Like, uh, you know, if, if things didn't work out, like everything would be fine. Right. I wouldn't be on my, on the street, et cetera. Um, but this was like years in the making. And so, you know. Well, first of all, I'm so proud of you. Also, like we have been industry like adjacent in the same world. And I just like seeing you talk about this right now. I just want to reflect back. Like you look so alive and just like so healthy and happy. And I just, it's really refreshing. It's like literally the point of this podcast is the journey to get there. And like you said several times, like it took you multiple years. We talk about it all the time. It's like multiple bridges that gets you finally to the point where it's like metabolized in your body enough that the trust muscle is there for you yeah. to do it. Yes. But I'm curious for, because I think that this is the majority, like we said, very few people have it in them or have the savings or the safety net to just flip a yeah. switch and then all of a sudden go for it. So for the majority that is in these bridges, how did you deal with frustration? And just like that knowing, that deep knowing that you were meant for something else, yeah. but you were still in that place. Like, how do you how do you keep yourself... Because like we're the only ones that are keeping that light and that faith and who that version is. And that's the only thing that's going to birth that version of you. So how do you do that in the moments when you're like still doing this for someone else? Well, I want to take you guys even further back to when I was still working in nightlife hospitality, because that was probably when I felt that feeling the most to the most degree. Yeah, I started my career in nightlife hospitality when I was like, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I was an early employee of Tau Group um, and was there for 12 years. And for the majority of the journey, it was amazing and it lit me up. But at a certain point, my my passion for wellness and spirituality really eclipsed my passion for nightlife and parties and all of that kind of stuff, you know? And then I became a mom. And then it became really, really, I don't want to say painful, but like spiritually, energetically painful to be like throwing parties for Budweiser and like going out at night when I wanted to be doing something much more like what I'm doing right now or something in the spirituality wellness space. Right. But at that time I had just had a kid. I was not making as much money as I, as I was, you know, after that. 
And my husband had just started a business as an entrepreneur and was not bringing in money. Wow. And so there was no chance of jumping ship. Mm-hmm. Like it was not even like a glimmer in my eye of could I jump ship and just start my own thing at that stage, even though I wanted to. And what I will say is keep the spark alive through deepening the education in the thing that you want to do. Because when I tell you, like, I have expertise and receipts in the stuff that I coach. Like, people are like, you're certified in all of these things. You've studied. I heard you on a podcast once and I was like, holy shit. Like, oh my God. You want to tell us what they are? And like the years that span also, because I feel like that's an important part too. If you're like carrying the torch from like certification to certification, like tell us the years. Well, I'll start like all the way back in the first international yoga retreat I did was in 2007. I went to Bali for two weeks and did like a deep um, yoga immersion. Uh, 2009, I went to um, I went to Morocco with Jeeva Mukti Yoga and did an immersion. 2011, I did my first actual yoga teacher training. I was at the in the second class at Yoga Vida. I did my 200 hour there. I also did my 300 hour with Heather Lilliston, who some people might know. She was my mentor, which was phenomenal. I did uh, a yoga and uh, yoga therapy immersion at Ishta Yoga which was another 100 hours with Kristen Leal. I did prenatal yoga certification. Uh, that would have been 2012, 2013. I did Urban Zen integrative yoga therapy training uh, with the Urban Zen program. Um, that was another 200 hours that included essential oil therapy and my Reiki one. I did MBSR training, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction at the Harvard Extension. God, I'm not even going to remember all the things I've done. I did IIN in 2013. So I became a holistic health coach through IIN. I did my first meditation teacher training with Kripalu up at up at Kripalu, which many people are familiar with. What else? I have a question. I, While you're doing yeah. all of these certifications, like, are you doing them with the intention of using them for like switching paths? Like, did you know where you were heading or were you just kind of following the breadcrumb of curiosity? I hoped and prayed that one day it would become my vocation. But if I'm a hundred percent honest, and I think it's helpful for people to know, it took me a long time to actually believe that it was possible for me to actually believe that I, a random girl from Maryland, like quote unquote, not special, right. Could have a profession in the healing arts. I had it on a pedestal I didn't think that people would take me seriously. I mean, this is a person who's been working in as a party planner, right? Like who's going to want to learn about meditation and spirituality from me, right? Like that was a big story I had. Just to kind of keep going with the trainings, I did the, I took a hiatus for a while while I was working in wellness, both at, 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 well, at Sakara, I did my executive coaching certification at NYU I did an advanced meditation teacher training with Three Jewels. I'm now also in a three-year certification program to become a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is trauma healing. I'm doing a mentorship with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield starting this month. And I'm doing a shamanism and earth medicine year-long mentorship starting next year. So yeah, how do you keep the spark alive? (laughs) Yeah, that is insane not insane in, in a, insane in a great way it's like i mean i feel like everyone has to figure out what that thing is for them and it's like 
like we said earlier, it's like you only really do the jump once it, it like actually needs to metabolize in your system and your body. Yeah. It is years of unlearning. And it's yes. like, because you could prematurely take the jump, but you can't hold it. You can't really like, you don't have the capacity to hold it long-term if yeah. you haven't really fully formed or fully unlearned and become yeah. whole. And not that we become whole all the way ever. I don't know, yeah. maybe. No. But like to, to the point of like actually metabolizing it fully to yeah. step into it without that much kind of like reach, if that makes sense. 100%. So I do all the things. I mean, I, I mentioned that I'm training to become a somatic experiencing yeah. therapist. I did somatic experiencing for many years to heal my nervous system. Yeah. I do. I still do to be magnetic stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people are yes. familiar with Lacey Phillips work. Same I here she, too. I think she's phenomenal. Um, helps me a lot um, in terms of like my authentic code, really, really understanding like, Hey, it doesn't matter who people think I am. This is who I am. Like, yeah. this is really who I am. So even if like the the role that I've played previously or the definitions that other people have of me are different than that, guess what? It's not who I am. So I get to go and show up in the world who I am, not who people think I am. so powerful. I am a huge fan also of To Be Magnetic. If anyone's listening that has not heard, we'll link it in the show notes, yeah. but it's such a great resource. I think it makes it so like easily digestible. But I'm curious of like when you started to actually show up as your real self, as your true authentic code, like how did that feel to start putting yourself out there? And like, how were you putting yourself out there to start shifting? Yeah. You have to like shift it yourself first, but it's like to then put it out is a different experience. Yeah. So when I left my career in hospitality, I got a job working at Saqqara doing business development. Um, I was head of business development, which uh, was everything I was doing at Tao, but in a totally different industry. And it took me, uh, it took me like, I'm trying to think eight months ish to get, go from one job to the next. I mean, I was applying, you know, like, and it was at sometimes really um, demoralizing because I was already quite senior, like I was already like, you know, quite established in my career. So it wasn't like I could just go somewhere and start from scratch. Like that wouldn't have been good. And it took me a while before someone was like, oh, you did all of these amazing things in that industry. Okay. Like this is a different industry, but it's still celeb driven, marketing driven, et cetera, et cetera. This totally translates. Like we're going to give you a job in wellness. And so when I got the job at Saqqara, it was like the first external permission to be who I had been in my sort of like, cause I was like teaching yoga and doing stuff on the side, but very much my side, very little side yeah. hustle type. No, of you stuff. were party hospitality girl. Hospitality, yeah. Amanda. Totally. To the world. I mean, people to the world. still, to the world, people still text me to get on guest list. And I'm like, honey, I'm asleep. <laughs> but, um, but, but when I got that job at Saqqara, it was like that first piece of external validation where it's like, okay, the outside world and my internal world are starting to align. And I think that like, you know, we want to be our own uh, like vision holders, but guess what? Like sometimes you do need a little bit of that external validation to kind of support the version of the person that you know that you are. I sometimes with my coaching, will talk about like people like Lady Gaga or Kanye West as like, 
really extreme examples of people who knew who they were going to be when everyone else was like, you're nuts, right? When Lady Gaga was Stephanie Germanotta or whatever her name was, like a not so cute, not so fancy, yeah. like high school student. She was like, no, I am the biggest star in the world. And she didn't need anyone else to tell her that was true That's for her to so believe it. rare. Rare, right? That's Most so of us rare. need a lot of reinforcement. And so you want, it's it's not bad to want the external, but you got to be working on the internal at the same time. Otherwise you'll never turn that corner into fully embodying the person that you know that you're meant to be. So what is the line here? Because I, I completely agree. It's like the same thing with like very few people can just like jump ship and like yeah. just do it from one second to the next. It takes multiple bridges. The same goes for the self-validation and having some sort of reinforcement what is the line of like, or like, what is the process of self-validating? I talk about this all the time because I work in PR. So I I always am talking about self-validating your work, your products, your service, whatever it is that you're doing so that the pitch is energetically received in a way that like you see it yourself. But the the two have to happen at the same time. But I, I always talk about it through that lens. I'm curious, like, as a human, like how do you coach people through this of like how to actually self-validate and where to look for the healthy external reinforcement? Yeah. I mean, I think about almost everything through the lens of the nervous system, right? Like the way that our nervous system responds to anything new is danger, 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 right? So that includes changing jobs, launching a new business, putting yourself out there, anything, right? Showing up in a new social circle. Even though these things are positive, your nervous system is going to register it as a potential threat and it's going to feel very dangerous. And so for everyone, this uh, the kind of degree to which you could move quickly is going to vary. If you have a quite sensitive nervous system, you need to literally dip your toe in, realize you didn't die, come back, regulate, and then go a little bit deeper, right? I have a client that I'm working with right now who had worked in like, she was a social worker for a long time. She's launching her own business as basically a parent coach, working with families one-on-one to help them deal with whatever their, you know, children are going through, which means a social media feed, which means a website, which means a photo shoot, which means talking on reels, right? And she's a very introverted person. And so we're doing it really, really slowly. It's not rip the Band-Aid off and all of a sudden, hi, I'm Lady Gaga, right? (laughs) Even for me, like when I, because I, you know, I transitioned to working for other people in wellness, but when I decided, no, I'm the product, I'm the service, I'm the brand and started like putting videos of myself on the internet. Oh my God. Like it was so terrifying at first. It really was. And so giving yourself grace that if something feels scary, that's okay. Like it's doesn't mean that you're not meant to do it. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means that you are a mammal with a nervous system. And um, in somatic experiencing, we call it um, titration, which means basically instead of being like, all right, tell me about your biggest, darkest trauma right now, right? You start by like telling a story that's over here. Letting that sort of metabolize. Then you go a little bit deeper. Let that sort of metabolize, right? The same thing goes for like putting yourself out there, getting, you know, kind of stepping into your own, right? Perhaps it's like you start by offering your services 
in a beta test way where it's like, I have this group of people who knows me from other industries, knows that I'm good at this, blah, 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 whatever. I'm going to start by, you know, putting my services out in a really small container, or I'm going to start by offering a free trial session to three people I know in exchange for testimonials, right? Like you don't have to go from zero to 100. You can like slowly build up that, um, build up that capacity. But what I, what I always say, what, what was true for me and what's true for most of my clients, I have clients who are like very successful CEOs who are now like, oh, I'm going to start a personal brand. And they are terrified of making a reel on Instagram and they've got 15,000 employees. So it's like that type of stuff. It's okay if it feels uncomfortable for a while. The more that you do it, not only does it get easier, but your nervous system I can pop up a camera in front of my face and jabber away and I don't even care. Do people like it? Do people not like it? Eh, you know, whatever. You never know. Yeah. But but that was not where I was when I started, which was only a year, like not even a year and a half ago, right? When I re, when I when I launched my business. And yeah. so um give yourself grace. It's it is scary. It should feel scary, you know, anything new. So does. when so I want to give like a tangible tool, and maybe now with like your somatic training, yeah. we can give them like when let's say that they they're dipping their toe and their nervous system is all out of whack. Yeah. What are some things that they can either tell themselves or physically do and just like yeah. whatever we can tell them to, to regulate? How do yeah. we regulate? How do we regulate? Oh, girl, I wish this is like the taught in school. So why wasn't it honestly? Because it's like, if there's one thing for sure is that we need to learn how to regulate our nervous system. It's it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Any parents listening, teach your kids now, save them a lot of therapy. Seriously. (laughs) But so, you know, what I, what I, what I teach my clients is that when you want to work with your nervous system, which we all should, you have to be doing both like daily maintenance as well as like uh, intervention when it's like very necessary. But I suggest nervous system regulation, the way that we brush our teeth, quick, but like completely essential and like totally non-negotiable and ideally bookending your day. So There are so many very basic, easy things that you can do that are sort of like that brushing your teeth thing, which is in the morning, first thing, before you look at a phone, before you look at anything else, you can do box breathing, right? Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. You can do what's called resourcing, right? Which is, I'll give you an example. Soon as you uh, put your, you know, you wake up in the morning or right before you go to bed, think about something that you love deeply and purely, something that actually brings a physiological change to your system, like maybe a puppy, if there's a baby in your life, a niece, a nephew, a kid, right? Your favorite place in nature, maybe your parents have a place at the beach and it's like, ah, right? We can change our physiology by what we're thinking of, right? thinking of scary emails, heart starts racing, right? Pulse starts, you know, like all of those mm-hmm. hormones start running. Think about a puppy. Oh, love. <laughs> you know, like I, I generally have a child or a dog in bed with me at any given moment. So I actually, before I look at my phone, anything, I actually just cuddle. I cuddle and I let that regulate my nervous system, bring that oxytocin in, right? The more that you do it, the more that your body gets used to it. And morning and night are the most important times because those transitions from sleep to wake, it's like very jarring if we go from zero to 100 or try to go from 100 to zero. But then there's the moments 
where you've just posted your first video, your heart's racing. You're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I actually, I recommend um, a couple of things. I do recommend doing something that is physically grounding, right? So feet flat on the ground, hands flat on your thighs, just really getting into a grounded position and breathing slowly until you feel a little bit more semblance of regularity coming into your pulse. And I'm also a big fan on kind of like dorky journaling practices, one of which is constantly writing nice little notes to yourself. I'm so proud of you. This was not easy, but you did it. Like keep going, whatever it is. And what's so funny, so I've been telling my clients to do this forever. And I usually actually give them more prescriptive things of like for me, but the CEO of Canva, who you may know is a billionaire, (laughs) she put a reel up this week on Instagram that said when she was at a very low point, when she kept getting no's from investors and nobody would invest in her, she wrote herself a letter that was basically the same thing. You are, you've created an incredible product. Somebody's going to believe in you. Keep going. You've got it. It is um, the way that I think about it. And this is a therapy or somatic experiencing thing. It's reparenting, right? Not because our parents didn't do a good job. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but they're not around anymore. We're grownups. And there is nobody who knows what you need to hear more than you. There's nobody knows that knows where you're feeling raw. There's nobody that knows where the wound is, right? Where the where the like self-doubt is coming in, right? You know. And so taking a pen and paper and really telling yourself all the things that you need to hear can be so grounding and can really release those things. The other thing is when you do something good and maybe you're not getting the cheering squad that you like want, be your own cheering squad. You crushed it today. Like sometimes when I go and do like um, speaking gigs at companies, I'll like write myself feedback before they get feedback from them because we need it. Like we need it. We're so vulnerable. We need it. Yeah, we really, really do. Yeah. So, okay. But for that example of like, you put yourself out there and there's no cheer squad. Like this is where it's like, okay, we also do need external validation on some level. Like where is there a healthy place to get that other than yourself? Yeah. So it's also really important. So I'm a member right now of a a woman's mastermind group Mm -hmm. um, through Nushu. And it has been, it's been amazing because it is very successful professional women who came together for the purpose of supporting one another, whether that's like workshopping things and giving advice, but also like somebody launches a podcast, drop it in the chat cheering section, right? Somebody like gets an investor for their business, whatever it is, like we're, we're there. And there is this unspoken permission to celebrate yourself so that other people can celebrate you. Everybody needs at least one person, ideally like three, you don't need a lot. You need like one plus people who you respect who you know respect you, right? Not your mom, not your grandma, not your like, maybe it's your bestie from high school if she's also crushing it professionally. But you want someone who you respect and whose opinion you really value, who can give you both constructive feedback, but who also is gonna cheer for you. Um, We recently on on my podcast had this woman named uh, Katie Horwich, 
who launched, uh, she just wrote a book and it's women against negative talk. That's what her like topic is. And we talked about how, like, if you can't show up and really celebrate yourself, like what's the freaking point? Like, we don't want to seem braggadocious. We don't want to seem cocky. We don't want to be like, you know, full of ourselves or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you should have those people with whom it's safe to do that, who you can be like, oh my God, I just had my biggest month in set. Like, I mean, some people do this on the Instagram, on the internet. It's a little bit like, you know, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, like your your bestie who can be like, oh my God, I went in and asked for a raise and I just got a freaking $30,000 raise. Like I'm a boss. And they're like, fuck yeah. You know, like you need those people. And it might be something where you say, hey, besties, we're all crushing it. Like, can we create a, a group chat that's literally like, like a big ups hype hype woman, you know, yeah. chat group. And like, I have all my founder clients. Sometimes I connect them with one another if I feel like they'd be a good match. But I make all of my founder clients find like two or three other founders if they don't already have them and create this. Because mm-hmm. it's hard, right? You need people who who understand the struggle who, when you're also like, that's, that's the perfect, the perfect yeah. like distinction because it's like, yeah, you can get, like you said, like from your family or from whatever, but it's like that no one's ever said that on this podcast that it's like, actually like you need someone that is like, that's also done something similar to you yeah. or is like a few steps ahead of you to also yeah. like, that's where that recognition is like, oh shit, I'm on the right path. Yeah. And that's why honestly, like uh, one of my special sauces as a coach is that when I'm working with early stage founders and CEOs, I've been in the driver's seat of businesses. So I understand what they're going through when they have to fire someone, right? I've had to do it myself. I didn't just learn about it in coaching school or like read a good framework on the internet. No, I've sat across from somebody and like tried to raise money and like, you know, been told yes, been told no. I've sat across from somebody and had to fire someone, right? So having peers, they don't have to be in the same industry as you. You can be like, you know... But somebody who, if they gave you advice, you wouldn't be like, okay, thanks, cool, right? You'd be like, oh, like, let me write that down. Those are the people that you need in your your corner, Mm -hmm. both critiquing you, but also cheering for you. So I want to understand also a little bit about what you were like as a kid. And this is my cornerstone question on the show. And it's because for most stories, I'm not going to say all, but for a lot of them, the childlike qualities that were so prevalent in who you were are shining when you have kind of unlearned things and just remembered who the hell you are down the road. Mm. So that's the question that I always pose for people to ask themselves, like, what did you enjoy? Where did you come alive? What did you play? All of those things. And I'm curious for you now, See, I, I genuinely feel energetically like you're so in it. You're in your sauce. Yeah. What were you like as a kid? And do you see any connection? Oh, yeah. Um, And so... My, what I will share without sharing too much of other people's stories, and because my my family that I'm close to would would confirm this, I was sunshine surrounded by a lot of dark, stormy clouds. There was a lot of uh, trauma and mental health issues and uh, suffering in my immediate family. There wasn't a lot of space for celebration and joy and play and fun. There was a lot of stress and anxiety and fear about the past, about the future. 
and a lot of unspoken suffering and untreated suffering as well. And so for me as a child, there was a lot of like wanting to give my sunshine to people and it just being completely not received. It just, there was too much trauma for that to have even been there. There was no space for it, right? So what that led to was overachieving, straight A's, you know, becoming a theater kid, performing, right? And then as I got older, alcohol, drugs, partying, right? Nobody is receiving who I am. Like, let me just numb, 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 right? And so for me, what I believe my gift are is to world. I live in a world of magic. I see beauty and goodness and potential in people. Like anyone that's my friend or my client, I, like I'll, they'll be like, yeah, so this is my thing. And I'm like, duh, of course you can do that. They're like, what? <laughs> like, and I, but I see it, right? Like that is the lens through which I see the world is like, yes, yes, yes. And what, what's been really beautiful as I've done so much freaking healing, so much healing <laughs> and then so much training is that now I have tools to actually help take that glimmer, that spark, that little ember and actually make it real through healing modalities, through actual like proven business practices, right? So it's like, I can take that childlike spark of like, you can do anything you want. Magic is real. Life is amazing. Like anything is possible, right? And pass it through a lens of having been through some shit, right? So it's not love and light Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And so I believe life is magic because I've never had to struggle. No, that's not, that's not it. I believe that you can go through, you can recover from anything. I believe that you can change courses in any way that you imagine is possible. It might take five, 10, 15, 20 years. It might not necessarily net you to the, you know, eight figure or whatever freaking mark that like people love to talk about but it is absolutely possible. And um, I, yeah, it's like the the inner child in me gets to do what she always wanted to do. She just has a few more tools in her toolkit. Um, so that's why I love what I do so much because it's just so like, yeah. cool to see. And it's just so, it's so expansive. So I'm just grateful for people like you that have done the work because I know firsthand how hard it is. And that I'm with that sunshine, it. that what? Let's be real. I'm still doing of course, it. I mean, of course, of course. Yeah, but like to yeah. even be at this place, to even yeah. be able to talk about it with that certainty and that storytelling ability with, you know, just, it, I'm just trying to reflect back to you that like, you. I, I know that that level of sunshine also comes with a level of darkness that had to be and is mm-hmm. continued to be looked at healed and explored. And I'm just so grateful, genuinely from like the bottom of my soul for people that do that work. Like it makes me emotional, like genuinely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I posted about this on Instagram today, but there's a book, The Body Keeps the Score, right? Mm -hmm. Many people have heard of it or read it. And I find it's true, right? We store a lot of this stuff from childhood, from past lives, whatever, in our bodies, in our nervous system. But the body doesn't keep the score like a mean ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, Mm -hmm. right? The body only keeps the score, the nervous system, the spirit, the soul. It keeps the score until you create conditions for it to forget the score. The body, the human being, I believe, it's like nature, right? Mm -hmm. You have, like, I had this 
hibiscus plant. Okay. I went on vacation. I came back and bugs had eaten the whole thing. It was so sad. I'm going to send you a picture. Okay. Eaten everything because I put this natural stuff on it. So they don't eat it, but it rained a bunch. Anyway, it's been a couple months. I ripped off most of the dead leaves, right? It is now, there are new immaculate blooming, big red flowers and healthy leaves, right? As soon as the conditions were created and some tender care, right? Some medicine, right? All the things were given to this organism. It was like, I'm not keeping the score. I'm not going to like never bloom again because you went on vacation and neglected Mm -hmm. me and let parasites eat me. No, I'm going to come back. And that's how we are, Mm -hmm. right? I used to, I mean, like without getting too, I used to do cocaine like daily, right? Like I used to be a pretty messed up person in my teens and early twenties. My mom's keeping that score. It was like, girl, we're over this. Let's go to your therapy, do your healing, do your yoga, drink your green juice. We're good. We're back, right? That's possible it's so for forgiving. everyone. It really so is. It's so forgiving. forgiving. So forgiving. Yeah. Okay. I just really want to answer this question for listeners because I have had therapists on the show. I have had one executive coach on the show before, but can you give a distinction between going to a coach and going to a therapist for someone yeah. who's listening that's like, I know that there's something in here that I would like to explore what what's for what or like which one is best for yeah. for so this is Ivan. a really important question for me in particular because i'm also um a somatic i will i will be certified next year in somatic experiencing and the way that i define it is you go to therapy to work through what happened you go to a coach to work through what's next and so you do not have to be fully healed in order to work on what's next but you have to be in a decent place with what's happened, right? If you are deep in a particular trauma, if you are not in therapy, like a lot of my clients are in therapy as well. And so if we hit on something that I think should be discussed in therapy, right? I'm not going to talk to you about your mom, right? I'm, I, it's not appropriate for me. It's a different mode. But I might say, knowing that you have this mother wound, right? Let's keep that in mind when we're building out your strategy for like working with parents, right? You know, like mm-hmm. it, it comes into play. I'm, I am quite trauma informed. So I know how it applies to what's next. Mm-hmm. And I also know what's not appropriate. The other thing I will say is it is almost impossible to move in a therapeutic direction and a coaching direction at the same time. It feels very, to me, very confronting to the person and to the nervous system. If you, if I have a session with a client and it's happened before and they are, you know, they've just come out of something where they're, I had a a client hop on a couple of weeks ago and she was like, I just got this terrible news about my nephew. And I was like, I'm going to give you two options. We can do an SE session now where I just hold space for you. Otherwise we're going to reschedule this, not, you know, no charge or whatever. We're going to reschedule this. And I'm going to send you some tools from my teachers and therapists that I think would be helpful for you to triage right now. When you are in a wound, when you are um, processing something, Hey, all right, let's talk about your to-do list. Let's talk about how you're going to scale your business. Let's talk about even like, let's talk about how you're going to build a wellness protocol for yourself. No, no, do not push past things that are raw, if things are raw, be with them, be with them and let that be enough. I do not want to push anyone in any direction 
when I can tell that they are in the, in the moment where they need to process. Mm-hmm. I, can, I have lots of tools that I send to people, um, but you can't do both at the same time. I can't be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let's process this. All right, now let's talk about your Q4 plans. No, Totally, totally. Yeah. So would you say that your style is like very in the weeds of the business side? I remember when we had had our initial call, that was something that was really um, refreshing and different from a lot of coaches that I've spoken to. So can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So it's interesting because it varies so greatly from client to client in terms of exactly how in the weeds I am. But I take what I call a bottom-up approach, which is rather than me coming to you with a curriculum and saying, we're going to learn about how to communicate we're going to learn about how to manage stress. We're going to learn about productivity. I have my clients come to me with what is causing them the most distress, causing them the most uh, issues, whether it's with their people, whether it's with their processes, whether it's with their investors, right? What is causing you the most distress, friction, et cetera, in your business? And let's actually get into it, right? So I work through OKRs with clients, I work through hiring plans and org charts. I work through marketing strategies, but not because I want to consult them on those things. It's because I want to figure out why is this causing you a problem? Is it because you don't have enough knowledge about this topic? Is it because you haven't sat down and focused on it? Is it because your team is lacking in this area? Is it because you don't have a proper framework for it? Let me figure out why there's friction. And usually what happens is, I go 25% of the way into it with them. We identify what the issue is. Oh, you've never done this before. I'm going to send you a couple of resources about how to act, how to appropriately goal set Mm -hmm. for an organization of your size. Right. And then it's like, oh, the friction's gone. Now I can do this. Right. Maybe it's um, a a blind spot that you're not seeing. My My team isn't performing. Okay. It's really important for me to help them understand, okay, what do you mean by that statement? And why is that, why does that feel true to you? How are you managing them? What is the one-on-one meeting cadence look like? What's happening in those meetings? What are you asking them? What type of feedback are they receiving from you? Do they have clear goals? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Do they understand what performance looks like? Usually, no, always, there is some type of gap, right? Then occasionally there are one or two people who actually aren't performing. And then we talk about that. So I do get into the weeds, but not from a a consulting lens, more from like, let me figure out where the gap is so that you can then take it. Because once you know what the problem is, if you're a CEO or a founder, you can probably fix it, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's so refreshing and so cool. I'm curious also within your practice right now, you work primarily with women, right? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got some BDE. Like I work, Okay, I work very well with men and I actually, it's, it's funny because that's a common misconception. Hmm. And what I like about it is, you know, when I started at Tao, Tao was a very male driven company Hmm. and I was one of the only female leaders. And I was also quite young and pretty much from the get-go, I never felt uh, never felt like othered for being a woman, right? Like I got respect, I got raises, I became a partner, right? And I learned bro culture. I learned how men work, how men interact. Um, and then when I went to Sakara, it was all women. And it was almost like, oh, I have to learn how women work because I'd yeah. only worked with, with men primarily. But what I really enjoy is 
every time, like people think, oh, it's so empowering to coach other women, right? Well, from my lens, every time some male CEO or executive is coached by me, I am breaking down gender stereotypes because they listen to me. They respect me. They get vulnerable with me. They take my advice, right? And so every time I work with a male leader, right? Like whether or not they've, they've had proximity to a powerful female executive in the past or not, now they know one more. Guess what? Next time they're interviewing for people, they're not going to be like as biased that it has to be mm-hmm. a dude, right? Because I've definitely given them the example of right. a professional woman that they should respect. And I, I like I love, love that. that. Yeah, yeah I love no, it too. Same. That's so cool. Well, then I'll reframe my question. In your practice, generally, male, female, whatever, what is something that you're seeing as a through line or that is like something that you see as a consistent thing that people come to you for? And like at the time that they want to hire you, like what is the main thing that's driving them to do that? So the main thing that generally drives people to hire me over another executive coach is that they are feeling super burned out, drained or disconnected from their joy. And the the joy that they had when they started their business, that, that like spark of inspiration because I'm an expert on burnout and we didn't even get into like my own burnout story. I don't know if you want me to run through it quickly. Yeah. But so when I was an, uh, an executive at a time, uh, yeah, I've got like 15 more minutes. So okay, yeah, cool. when I was an executive at Tau, um, I went for a routine doctor checkup and my doctor told me that the, my pulse was erratic and a series of tests later, I had to get heart surgery Um, and yeah, when I was 28 years old, I had heart surgery to fix severe arrhythmias and was told I was going to need to be on medication for my whole life and all of this stuff. And that was when I really doubled down on all the wellness stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the year that I did all the non-yoga certifications, the MBSR, the health coach was like right after, um, I recovered from my heart surgery. Wow. And so I always joke that I'm like the meth teeth. Um, example of someone from burnout, right? Like yeah. when people see the meth teeth, they're like, oh my God, I'll never try meth. And like, you hear about my burnout story. You're like, oh my God, I could actually like die, right? So that has become something I'm sort of known for in this space. And then people also know that I've actually run businesses. So it's not like I'm some like, you know, la-di-da, yoga teacher, yeah. let me teach you about burnout, but I've never had a day job, right? Yeah. So that's usually one of the main things that brings people to me. The other thing I would say is referrals from my direct clients. Anybody who's a little bit woo, that's also in the business world, they're like, oh, Amanda, like you should work with her because she'll talk about the, <laughs> you know, she'll talk about the human design. She'll talk about, you know, manifestation yeah. and channeling and things and all the stuff, right? So those are like kind of the two things that people- it's Like you bring the practicality, but like through the lens of spirituality. Yeah, Exactly. But the one, well, there's there's so many things that I find in common amongst my clients. But one of the things that I really love to talk about is the power of what we believe is impossible. When you believe something is impossible, it's impossible, right? Whether that's hitting a certain goal, whether that's getting your business acquired, whether that is getting that next job, right? And I am not a proponent of, I mean, I am and I'm not sort of magical thinking or like believing that if you just like manifest hard enough, it'll happen, right? But what I know for sure is that the opposite of manifestation is absolutely real. If you think no one's ever going to acquire my business, our financials are like, so blah, 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 guess what? No one is. But if you can tell yourself, look, I know that we're not going to be attractive to every single business out there. 
maybe not a, like a you know private equity firm, whatever, but there's somebody out there that's going to see what's magical about us, what's great about us, and we could be really attractive to a particular acquirer, right? Or I might not be a shoe-in for that job, but if I can get my foot in the door and get that interview, I know I can convince them because I have all of these qualities, right? You have to have a glimmer of hope and belief in whatever the thing is that you want to do, even if it's like 5%, right? Like that is the opening mm-hmm. that allows for something to happen. Because I'm telling you, if you don't think it's possible, it's not. And I will have clients will say something to me like, well, you know, really want to leave this job, but I'll, I'll, you know, it'll be impossible to find something where I'm making this much money and have this much flexibility. You know, I'll have to sacrifice one of those things. I'm like, you'll have to, you're sure about that. You're a hundred percent sure that there's not one job out there where you could make $10,000 more a year, have two extra free hours and it would be cooler, right? You're sure. And they're like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm not like sure. It's like, it's like, yeah, you're not sure. Don't put that out there into the universe. I want people to shoot for the bullseye of the best possible outcome, right? What is the best possible outcome? Hey, my business gets acquired for $50 million, right? Not, well, I think it's realistic for us to get acquired for 30. So that's what I'm going to shoot for. No, shoot for 50. If you end at 42, you'll be so glad that you shot for 50 instead of 30, right? Same thing with like salary negotiations, even like meeting a partner or like finding your dream apartment, right? All of those things, like why not go for the best possible thing not saying you're 100% get it, but if you don't go for it, you 100% won't get it. Like, that's just reality. Totally. That's such good advice. I'm going to ask one last question because the listener is someone who just knows in their soul that they are called to do something incredible. They are so wanting, willing, ready. Just they don't know what that next step is. And a lot of people and a lot of people that have reached out to me that they're like, I don't even know what that thing is for me. Yeah. What advice would you give someone on how to start getting curious and how to identify what that is for them? Yeah. Spending time in contemplation in all the ways that feel good to you. So like, I'm a meditator, I'm a journaler, I'm a big believer in morning pages where you just do the brain dump writing, you know, automatic writing. I love to spend time in nature. I love to hike. I love to do yoga, right? Anything where external stimuli and even like the really hardcore internal stimuli is a little bit tuned out to really devote time to silence, to contemplation, to nervous system regulation, right? So that there, your soul and your higher self wants to connect with you and wants to communicate with you. But we are so stimulated. We're always on our, and I'm like, I am too, right? We're on our phone so much. We're constantly doing things, right? You're not going to get input if you're already giving yourself input, right? If you're scrolling, Your higher self cannot be like, hey, let me tell you this. So you have to carve out that time. The other thing I would say is ask. And if this sounds crazy and woo-woo to you, fine. Every night before I go to bed, I ask my higher self, my guides, 
send me something in my dreams that I need to know. Send me a message, send me a sign, send me something I need to know. I do the same thing before I meditate. Sometimes when I journal, I will straight up write, like, what do I need to know today, right? And I, you know, I get sent angel numbers in my dreams all the time. And not normal ones, not like four, four, one, 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 but like really specific ones because my my guides know I go to that's the only site I look at for angel numbers <laughs> and they will send me a specific number and I look at it and I believe that that is actually a message that I received. Why did, why did I go to a door that said 547 on the address in my dream? Why? There's a reason, right? I don't know what yeah. it is, but you got to ask, you got to make space for it and keep following those breadcrumbs. And the other thing I will say is like, I launched my business at 38 years old. I'm 30, almost 40 years old. And I've never felt more just lit and like happy and fulfilled. I got, you know, it's, it's worth the wait. You know, if it's happening slow, great. If it's happening fast, even better. But if it's happening slow, you have to really know that it's going to be worth it. And so patience, I don't, is very hard to come by, but hope, right? Like I, I don't have a lot of, I wish I had more patience, Same, but I got, I have a true. lot of hope, right? And if you can really connect to hope, prayer, faith, gratitude, right? All those things. Even if you get one, like when I meet somebody that I know was a magical meeting, you know, like, <laughs> thank you universe. You did that. Thank you. You know, anytime, right. Is just noticing, Hey, this was a divine connection. This was a ping, mm-hmm. right? Just noticing, 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 because if you're not listening, the messages don't come. Right. How would you define the voice of your higher self? Because with the chatter and with like yeah. the voice that can be the self-doubting voice or all of that, there can be confusion. What mm-hmm. would you say to someone who we've given that advice of like silence to really connect to that higher self universe, whatever you want to call it? What does it actually sound like or feel like to you? So when I get something that I believe is guidance and I'm not a hundred percent sure, I let it simmer. I will, I write it down immediately. So I don't forget. I come back to it. I come back to it. I come back to it. And then there will be a moment where it almost feels like electricity in your body where it's like, no, I have to do this thing or no, that was like, it's like this unavoidable, like the way, like a child, like Mm -hmm. this, right. There is a training that I'm doing next year. That is, it's a shamanism training. And wow. I heard the the man who's leading it on a podcast. And I, like, he, he said something that made me cry. And I was like, oh my God, like I have to do this. But I was like, okay, let me not sign up for this today. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to like do, do the research. I'm just going to let it simmer. I'm going to let it simmer. I'm going to let it simmer. And then about maybe two months later, I was at a friend's house. She was having like a hot tub party, grown, grown ass women party. And I started talking about this person and the training to a woman that was there. And she's like, you were just like really excited about this. And I was like, I guess I am really excited. I need to freaking do this. The next morning I signed up, I paid my money and I'm I'm in. But I think it's like letting, giving yourself just like, not like a crazy amount of time, but a little bit of time to let it simmer. Like, hey, am I still, do I still like, it's like almost like when you want to go shopping and you're like, yeah. I really love these shoes. Oh my God, am I going to spend $500? Yeah. And you're like, it's like, let me sleep today. on But if I'm still thinking about it, a month, two months later, that's probably, and it still has that same charge. Yeah. It's probably something that I should act on. 
Oh, I loved this conversation. Thank this you so, so much for coming on. My Where pleasure. can people find you? And are you currently taking clients? Yeah. So you can find me everywhere as Amanda Bodier. Well, not everywhere. Instagram and my <laughs> website and LinkedIn. I don't use all the other things. And then my business, Full Plate, Full Cup. And that is where we have our podcast, Full Plate, Full Cup. And we also do more of group things. So right now we have a course on burnout. We also, if you are if you are an HR person or you want to put a bug in your HR person's ear, my business partner and I lead phenomenal workshops and trainings at companies. Um, and we're really passionate about that. Um, and as far as taking clients... I am kind of always taking clients. It usually takes about a month for me to find like a slot, mm-hmm. not a crazy amount of time. It usually takes about a month. And I'm always really honest about people. If I think my coaching is a fit for what they are yeah. looking for, I am generally more suited to people who are at that executive level because you'll actually get the value of what I know. Yeah. Yeah. Versus if you're just starting out, like I will literally say to people, like, I think you should take this course first. I think you should read this book, like start small. Like not everybody needs a coach, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Like I'm a coach and I will say that flat out. Not everybody needs a coach and not everybody should have a coach year round. Like I am actually, I'm wrapping up a three month um, work with a coach that I was working with myself, specifically on creativity and like personal voice. Mm. Um, but I did three months and I don't need any more after that. Now with executives, when you're running a business, there's problems constantly. So it makes sense when you're actively the right. CEO of a company to have a coach all the time. But if it's for you, for your personal development, if you're getting ready to launch something, hire somebody for a finite period of time, get out into the world. I don't, I, I think it's like having a coach is great. Um, almost like having a personal trainer, like yeah. do it for three months, get yourself back into good habits and then do it on your own. Like prove yeah. to yourself what you're capable of, you know, versus like, you know, like I said, if you're a CEO running a business, guess what? Like they need freaking coaches. They just do. It's really yeah. hard and it's unrelenting and there's always new problems. Love that. But like, you know, I, I think it's the coaching industry is very sketchy overall. And anybody that tries to get you to sign up for a year out of the gate, like, no, you know, you don't know what you're going to be doing in a year. You don't know if you're going to like vibe with them. Don't sign up for a year, do three months, four months, get to a good place and then decide, you know, like don't sign your life away to somebody. It's just like, no. (laughs) Good advice. That's great (laughs) advice. Awesome. Well, you are welcome back whenever. I might want to have your business partner on also yeah. because she specializes in people that are employees, right? Correct. Like employee. Yeah. Okay. That's such a cool dynamic. So yeah. yeah, I feel like this conversation obviously is geared more toward executives and founders. Also, yeah. I mean, we talked about a lot of things Souls. that are just human. Yeah. Souls. Um, but I would love to have her on to just ask her questions for for Amazing. employee listeners. <laughs> yeah, she's on mat leave, so when she's back, when she's back. Um, yeah, yeah, this was I so love fun. It. Yeah, and we'll have you on too because we need to talk to you about all. Yeah, the things when she's back. I would love that. Would okay. love that. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting to the end of the episode. And more importantly, thank yourself for choosing to learn more about how to come home to yourself. As always, take what resonates with you and simply let go of what doesn't. I would really appreciate it if you can give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen, because that's the way that the show will continue to grow. And we are all about growth here. I'm sending you so much love and I will see you next week.